It's a clutch your pearls and fall on your fainting couch kind of controversial. <laughs> Give me your birth time. <laughs> it's like, the fuck? Bitch is crazy, but she's kind of cute. Okay. Diving deep into myself. No air tank, just need headspace. My dreams put up a fair chase. My universe ain't their space. I got questions for myself. Why I see more than they see. I know the past keeps secrets right in front of me. And the truth don't like light. To get that insight. When you keep this in mind. Is the feeling missing? Full swing. Call it free will. Call it red pill. It's conscious and chill. It's conscious and chill. Call it love. Or what you want. It's conscious and chill. It's conscious and chill. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode two of Conscious and Chill with your host here, Murph Dog. Hey. And myself, Danielle. It's our second episode, Occultism from Witches to Woke. Today, we'll be talking about the history of occultism in its modern context. We'll be digging into how the word occult is perceived and its negative connotations. We'll also be discussing some reasons for the recent resurgence and new acceptance of occultism and witchcraft and new age spirituality and popular culture. So I'm going to start off with a, a simple definition of the word occultism. It simply means what is secret, what is hidden, what is not easily understood. Astronomers use the word to describe when an object crosses in front of another in front of the sky, like such as the moon, Venus, or the sun, like an eclipse. As a proper noun, it's defined all practices that are not considered either religious or scientific. Uh, the term did not appear until the 1500s. It referred to astrology, alchemy, and forms of magic, natural magic, things like herbalism, chemistry, and astronomy. And it was not widely used until about the 1800s. Yeah, and um, I think a lot of the reason that it wasn't widely used until the, until the 1800s is because prior to that, it was a very exclusive and mainly colonizing type term. So you would use a cult whenever an area was being colonized. They would go in, attack whatever the spiritual institutions were, tear them down, sort of use it as a label to turn it into something negative so that you could separate the people to their spirituality. Because when you separate people from their spirituality, it leaves a whole lot of room to wreak havoc and sabotage their society. And so it became a very useful tool of colonization. It's a very Western concept. There are definitely witches and shamans and mystics in other cultures around the world, but they're aren't really any cultures that kind of branch everything into this sort of a large umbrella term that tends to have these sort of more weighty negative connotations. They, they got pretty good at it, <laughs> uh, but it wasn't until the 1800s where that heavy negative connotation kind of started to shift away from its usefulness as a colonization tool and into something a little bit more academic. And this happened during the 1800s, during the United States spiritualist movement. 
did branch out a little bit into London. Um, but for the most part, it was it was very centered in the U.S., specifically the Northeast uh, along the coast, New York, Massachusetts, things like that. It's when you saw things like uh, the Fox Sisters and Mediumship and Spirit Cabinets and this sort of evolution in um, having spirit circles and really trying to contact the dead and reconnect with the dead. Um, it was also a time in which towards the end you had a lot of gurus being introduced to the United States for the first time. So a lot of United States culture got to interact with things like meditation and yoga and Buddhist monks for the first time in their entire lives. The spiritualist movement made that possible by the end of it because it made the it turned spiritualism and the idea of the occult almost into a form of entertainment. And, you know, the, they were they were very bored New Yorkers. So what did they do? They, they found a way to entertain themselves. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so it sort of took on its own meaning from from there and really became much more about entertainment. Now, there still was a little bit of that negative context, um, especially because during this time you had the emerging of a whole bunch of different sciences, and and science was very controversial to a lot of the religious states at the time. So religious institutions were feeling threatened sort of twofold. I'd say confronting in quotes, seemingly confronting a lot of what they thought. And then there was also this spiritualist movement, which was saying you could get information from God, you could get information about the world without having to go directly to your priest, which was uh, just an overwhelmingly controversial thing. It's uh, a clutch your pearls and fall on your fainting couch kind of controversial that you could find this information yourself. Now, don't get me wrong, it's still pretty pretty sexist. It was mainly men that were allowed to do it. And the reason that main, the mediums were mainly women is because women were considered to be too uneducated to know how to speak about something. And so if an intelligent man was channeling through their body, then clearly it couldn't have been fake because a woman wouldn't have the capacity to have such knowledge. <laughs> Yeah, (laughs) it definitely has its own uh, uh, signs of the time sort of context. From there, we move into what occultism came today. Um, The counterculture movement really took it and ran with it a lot based on what was in that original spiritualist movement. And the countercultural movement was actually born from MK Thank Ultra, you, America. surprisingly enough. Thank you, America. So, if you don't know what MK Ultra is, if this is your first time, MK Ultra is an umbrella term for a large swath of CIA operations that happened in the mostly 50s, uh, some 40s, and some 60s, though. And MKUltra was the umbrella term for them. Now, it's most popular for its in experiments with psychedelics and other drugs. And this project made them more available than they ever were before. So the government was purposely experimenting with drugs on uh, mental illness patients, prisoners, drug addicts, and uh, people in brothels. And as one memo put it, they purposefully chose people who could not fight back. Just to see what these drugs did, to see what kind of effect they had, to see if there was any sort of mind control or social conditioning that they could put on these people. 
And not only did they use all of those instances, but they also used uh, (laughs) private companies in Canada. And a very popular one was colleges. They provided a lot of materials and money (laughs) to fund experiments on college campuses. Well, what happens when you give mind-altering drugs that affect your ability to see and define reality to a whole bunch of teenagers? I think you know where this one's going. You get hippies. (laughs) So the very thing that they held a a ton of contempt for in the 70s was the very thing that they had created themselves. Who would have thought? So this counterculture uh, had a whole lot of interest in this sort of... um, mystic and and magic sort of thing. So um, you got a resurgence of astrology, you got a resurgence of tarot, you got a resurgence in mediumship, things like that. It kind of had like a little mini pop in, in, in interest and in popularity. It wasn't super strong. It didn't last super long. It was a very short romantic period, like most romantic periods are throughout history. But this is where you got the term New Age for springing forth. And this is where the idea of the age of Aquarius became mainstream and popularized. And that was where occult sort of got a new rebranding. Instead of being of the devil or being contrary to God or being the work of these barbarians that people were trying to take over and whose lands that they were trying to steal and take all of their resources, occult morphed into this new sort of inclusive, unknown, figuring out the mystic adventure almost. You know, the hippies had to make everything fun. So, (laughs) Yeah, it was definitely a time of pop astrology also, like new horoscopes. They made it fun and and flighty and nothing too serious. There was also a lot of astrology books, like in-depth astrology books that came out at that time. Mm -hmm. It was a a time in which publishers actually wanted – actually saw a financial return in being able to publish things like that. So it was very difficult to publish any sort of detailed astrology works before then. But since there was a renewed interest in it, you had people like Linda Goodman, um, who just really rose to popularity. And then, of course, when you have one, everybody's like, okay, who's the next one? How can I get this next money? How can I get these next dollars going? And so you had a lot more learning, a resurgence of it. It was much more normalized i wouldn't say not nearly as much as it is today <laughs> Give me your but definitely i mean the what's your sign baby pickup line is, is a 70s classic i know that most of us probably don't know that today but <laughs> because it's just so normal and everybody's like not only what's your sign every every dude has had some girl ask him what his three placements were, what his main three are and he's like the fuck and then she's like whatever just give me you know, like your birthday and your city and your time and, and they're like, bitch, crazy, but she's kind of cute. Okay. So <laughs> that's that's pretty far for the course now. But back then, hey, what's your sign, baby? That was the that was a 70s cliche, you know, of, of how a man would hit on a woman. Because it would be, of course, a way to be like, oh, well, maybe she likes astrology. That's a chick thing to like, right? So let me just ask her. And so it it was a little cheesy. It was it was a little woo-woo, but it wasn't as taboo as what it used to be. And so that really kind of gave it a softer rebrand. It made it a little bit more approachable. It made it a little bit more fun, a little bit more funny. And it also coincided with a very potent time because we had things like the civil rights movement, the moon landing. And so consciousness as a whole on the planet was 
hitting a stage in which it was sort of becoming elevated. People were becoming more aware of things that they had been trained to have a blind eye to for a very long time when it came to how we treat other people based on their skin color, what our society is organized like, um, how fair and unfair it is, and then something as just crazy as the moon landing, the idea that people could leave Earth and go to the moon, something that's always seemed very mystical and far away, and then all of a sudden a human can walk on it. So it's much less mystical and much less far away. And that also kind of helped this rebrand of occultism. You know, you have literally one of the largest fixtures of occultism, the moon, and it's suddenly not quite as mysterious as it was before. Oh, now, now a man can walk on the moon. It's cool. It's chill. It's whatevs. I'd say since the 70s, there was another sort of reemergence of astrology in the 90s. It was sort of more in fashion and um, just, again, pop astrology, things like magazines. And then definitely in the past five years, there's been another new interest in this. And what do you think are some of the reasons for that? Yeah, so that's actually uh, a really really great observation. So a lot of what happens with that is um, if you look back at the spiritualist movement, if you look back at the 70s counterculture movement, um, a lot of what happens with um, spirituality and the occult is it coincides with a certain part of the cycle of life. And that cycle is almost always right at the tail end of a prosperous period the economy is really strong. Everything's pretty relaxed. Everyone's happy. For the most part, there's a, a sizable amount of peace in the majority of the of whichever context you're looking in. This applies like not necessarily on a world scale, but more like on an individual nation scale whenever there's a spiritualist movement. Is it always um, hits that tail end of a very economically prosperous period right before it crashes. And then it tends to go throughout the entire time that it crashes until it hits a point of recovery. And so spiritualism happened during that time. It actually lasted pretty long, more than more than the others. And then the counterculture movement was also the same. It, it happened right on the tail end of a, a time of prosperity. And there was a whole lot of um, change, uh, a drop in the economy, and then, of course, that's that's very, very accurate for today. We were at a high point in the beginning of twenty of 2020, economically speaking. People were talking about how things were just always going to get better and better, and the economy was so strong. The resurgence in astrology and occult and things like that has happened in the last couple of years, and everything was getting strong, 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 and then 2020 happened, and then everything plummeted. And so this fits very well in terms of how cycles work, because what starts off as a very casual interest during a time of prosperity where you're like, oh, I have more money, I have more time, I can think about things that I want to think about, I can pick up a new hobby, I can see whatever my passing interest is, and I, I can start to build upon it a little bit more, I, I have the availability for it. And then all of a sudden, your life plummets and it's not just a hobby anymore. You actually need something to hold on to when it feels like you don't have that much to hold on to. And, and a spiritualist resurgences always coincide with that. You know, everybody always wants to be 
closer to God, to the divine, to something of meaning to other people when they feel like they're losing control and they don't really have a handle and they don't have a whole lot of power, personal power, especially to do anything about their circumstances. It, it matches up very well with past cycles in history because of that, especially when you look at the whole civil rights movement, the moon landing. We have a lot of things that echo that currently. Yeah. Definitely have our own civil rights movement that's going on again. We just sent the first private company ever just sent somebody up into space. So it even has that space aspect of not only are we mentally and emotionally and spiritually exploring how high we can go, but we're quite literally physically exploring how high we can go and not even on a government level now. It's, it's now on a, on a capitalist privatized level as well. Yeah. I think as well that we're all trying to form our own sort of spirituality it's like being spiritual but not religious and we need some sort of sense of community to deal with the new life that we're living in yeah and that's also that's a huge part of it too because like i said in the in the spiritualist movement they religion was almost seen as under attack at the time um from science and spiritualism and so there was this separation when you started to be able to gain knowledge from something other than the church. Now, don't get me wrong, all, the, all those people probably still went to church. Not all, but a good majority of them. Um, it definitely was still pretty conservative uh, compared to what we think of now. But, it, you know, that's the thing about history is you have to look at it in the context of what it was then and not necessarily the context that we live in now, because that was hugely controversial to, to get information from someone that's not your church. Like, whoa, no, no way. And I think we are just hitting that outside of the spiral. So in, when it comes to life, whether it's your individual life or whether it's the life of a country or the life of the world, everything works on a spiral. So whenever you learn something, you are going to come back and you're going to learn it. You're just going to learn it in a deeper, uh, much more meaningful way than you did before. And so in terms of spiritualist movements, and this is just me speaking like for the most part on, on the North American movement, I'm not unfortunately as educated about the timeline of other other movements and other cultures. But that spiritualist movement sort of started that breaking away and that ability to find information from God on your own. And so now we're sort of hitting that outside of the circle where we're understanding that development in a new way with the generations that are here now, where not only do you not have to have a priest, you might not even necessarily have to have a church. And I know a lot of people that even are religious that, yeah. that feel that way now too. And that would have been extremely, extremely controversial back then. But whether you're pulling away from an organized religion entirely or just a little bit, there's definitely this overall desire to seek knowledge on your own and to know for yourself and to find for yourself what it is that you're looking for and to not just necessarily take whatever is given to you and say, okay, well, this is my knowledge. This is what somebody told me. And then this is good enough. There's definitely this overall collective hunger to try to be able to go out and find the answer on your own, you know? Yes, for sure. And here we are in the age of Aquarius. We're more connected to everything. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So the age of Aquarius would will have to be probably a whole thing on its own because I know it's just so <laughs> it used to annoy me so much whenever people would be like the age of Aquarius I was like okay well what the fuck does that mean like what's an age it, now we know what this means <laughs> yeah 
Yeah. Like, like what's it, like, how long is it? Like, when does it start? Like, when does it end? And then I would like research it. I'd be like, there's really no way to know when it starts or when it ends. And people kind of wanted to be a little bit fluffy about it. <laughs> but an age is, um, an age is a way to measure long arcs of, of history and of the world. And so the age of mm-hmm. Aquarius, we're definitely already in it. We started it definitely within the 1900s, can't pin down an exact date for sure. But it's when we started to turn less towards spiritual, that Piscean sort of spiritual seeking and involvement where we were building a lot of religions in the age of Pisces, Christianity and and Buddhism and Islam and even like Judaism were at their height. You know, they they were born, they grew to their height and then they sort of tapered off into a plateau. And so at that point, when we started to really focus on technological development, that was about when the age of Aquarius began. And so now we're, we're pretty yeah. solidly in it to the point where technology is just all around us. It's infused into our identities. It's infused into our lives. The internet has just massively changed everything when it comes to learning, when it comes to spirituality, when it comes to how we identify ourselves. And the internet is pretty much the perfect metaphor for the Akashic Records or the collective unconscious. It is this huge, huge, just sort of amorphous thing. And like, yeah, there are actual physical servers throughout the world, et cetera, et cetera. But at the same time, it's it's something that exists as a way to store information for all of humanity, for all of the different perspectives, all of the different viewpoints, all of the different narratives of humanity and all of its varying cultures and people. And that is pretty much what the collective unconscious is. When people talk about tapping into the collective unconscious, talk about doing Akashic Records meditations, it's all about tapping into this vast source of information that's just sort of out here in the ether. that only like a certain few can tap into. And the internet is really our version of that. It's a version that we've created because as, as humans, we're always going to use technology to try to mimic our spirituality. And I think we've pretty much done that. (laughs) The internet itself has also led to more access and sharing of information. So even just learning about these things is much more popular than what it used to be. So, you know, they used to burn people for such information that we can readily Google now. The whole idea of woke culture and wokeness originated online and it sort of took its own meaning. I I think it started like as an ironic thing. I I, I think like when I researched it, I really did. I'm like the only person that would like research wokeness. Clearly not because I found articles, but still. Um, (laughs) uh, But it really, it started as like an ironic thing. Like what you call somebody that thinks they know a lot but they really don't know that they know a lot. And then it actually turned into the thing that it was supposed to ironically mean. And, and I could have, I could not be remembering this correctly. So free, like feel free by all means, please correct me if I'm wrong. But just the idea of, of wokeness is an extremely occult term. I mean, woke is really just a new way to say occult, to be quite honest with you. Because the idea that you are awakening to some sort of consciousness or some sort of idea or new level of self, that's what the entire goal and purpose of occult arts used to be. Um, And I mean, a lot of occult arts used, 
things that used to be occult are now actual sciences, chemistry, uh, herbalism, also known as what we now call uh, plant-based diet, plant-based medicine, you know, <laughs> like things that people talk about and that are very like catchy and, and very in and very trendy. A lot of these things are just recycled new terms for occult ideas. And so we're, we're living in an age where we're sort of making our own terms and our own ways for it, but we have so much more access to them than what we used to. It used to be that only your circle in your town or in your city or like way back in the 1800s, like the mediums had to travel town to town to entertain the the crowds. And that was something to do on a Friday night. And now you could just literally fall down a YouTube wormhole for hours. <laughs> like many people do. And then all of a sudden you're like, I just watched tarot videos for seven hours straight. I know it's going to happen to all Leos for the next month. All of them. We could sum up the word occult as, as alternate ways of viewing the world and viewing the self. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I think that that is is the connotation, really, like moving forward that that we definitely mean for it whenever we bring it up in this podcast, you know. And, and that's another thing in and of itself. Like, do you know anybody that even uses the word occult anymore? No, I've, I've, I hear witch or um, just references to specific things like tarot or astrology but to put it all under occultism no yeah there's not really like people don't really use it as an umbrella term anymore and and i i live in the united states south so i i still hear it every once in a while normally from somebody who's of an of an older subset i hear pagan sometimes yeah yeah but you're you're right about the witch thing like for the most part when people like if you do anything vaguely mystical, people are like you're a witch. No, I'm a a mystic. <laughs> I'm a I'm a mystic. Yeah, there's some just I'm an just just to be honest with you guys, I I have a I have a a resistance towards the term witch. Uh, personally speaking, not not on a universal scale. I know a lot of like badass, like bomb ass witches. People that chose it, people that came to it by birth. I fully support them. I think that they're awesome, but like when people call me a witch, like it ma- it makes me uncomfortable, just because it's something that I I guess I don't personally identify with. And I've had probably one of the coolest, smartest witches I've ever known be like, "Well, that's because you were a witch and you were killed in a past life, most likely for being a witch, and so now you're uncomfortable with the term." I'm like, "You are probably correct, but I would still prefer not to call it that." <laughs> There's still a lot of negative connotations with the word witch, so especially men when they feel, you know, they feel they're being manipulated or they're like sexually obsessed with someone and they're like, oh, she must be a witch. Like, it's still like the fucking crucible out here. <laughs> yeah, it really is. I've had a lot of people be like, oh, you put a spell on me. I had somebody like accuse me of like putting a hex on them. I'm like, boy, I don't even know a hex. Like... I don't even own a black candle. I'm sure you don't need a black candle for my hat. I'm sorry. That was really naive of me to say. I'm sorry, real witches. See, this is is why I don't claim, like, the witch title. Because, like, I don't even fucking know. Like, why am I going to claim something? I don't even fucking... Like, I've talked to certain witches about what they do or about their family. Like, because what intrigues me so much is people born into, like, real, real real-ass witch families, you know? Um, And so I don't want to take on somebody else's heritage when I'm like extremely naive of it. So that's another reason why, why accepting the term is, is very uncomfortable for me. But in general, 
that's definitely like one of the go-tos. If somebody, if you do something that seems at all occultish or vaguely mystical or just something that somebody else can't even understand, which is a very strong go-to, it really is just sort of this ingrained, like a woman has power, a woman has knowledge, a woman has confidence. She is being useful to people. (laughs) She must be a witch. (laughs) It's just that it's still held on throughout all of these generations, you know? I think just remember those, it's witches. It's not always someone, man or woman, it's not always someone forcing their will upon others. It's not always about harm or trying to have control over a person. It may be as simply as what we do trying to understand ourselves and our relationship to the world. And like hanging out with your plants, like so many witches I know, like, like, fuck, I just need to hang out with you because your plants are fucking awesome. Like I can tell that you love them and they love you. And like your house is just full of greenery and life. This is, this is dope. (laughs) Like most of the witches I know just just like want to hang out with their plants and whatever animals they have and just be chill and on their own and like spread some good vibes, you know? Yeah. But yeah. And so a cult, uh, back to the, the term a cult in general, it's not really, it's not really a useful thing anymore. I think to a lot of people, I really honestly do believe that the idea of, of woke culture and, and wokeness has replaced the idea of a cult. I think that is the colloquial way that we've sort of claimed it for ourselves because it means that we can kind of take back spirituality in our own terms. It allows us to really take what is out there yeah. and get rid of a lot of the negative connotations that go with which or that go with a cult. And granted, we can always define them. There's tons of times throughout history where people have taken what was a negative connotation or a negative idea and then reclaimed it and rebranded it on their own and i think that woke is is a very slight variation of that for occult and for new age occultness so new age crunchy oh that's another one i get a lot when people don't want to say occult but they just want to be like oh yeah well she's kind of crunchy i have not (laughs) heard that one but i will take it <laughs> she's kind of crunchy. I, I like it. Kind of crunchy. Yeah, yeah. At first, I was like very hippie-ish, but now I think like I've heard a lot of people be like, "Oh yeah, well yeah, yeah, you know, you know how she is. Like she's kind of crunchy. So like she, if you talk to her for more than five minutes, she'll start talking about astrology." <laughs> Raise hand. That's me. That's me. I'm raising hey, my hey. hand right now. So. Yeah, so when it comes to really reclaiming the idea of occultism and of woke culture, how that relates to you is when you really begin to understand that this is not something that is negative or terrible or something to feel shame for, then you really can take it and run with it and create your own brand. So if you want to be an astrologer, that's chill. If you want to be a tarot reader, that's super chill. If you want to be a witch and have your own witchcraft practice, if you do want to do your own spells and grow your own plants and and live in your own little witchdom, then that's super cool too. And if you just want to be woke, if you just want to scroll through like all of the esoteric like memes and and learn more about yourself, if you want to be super into yoga, if you want to learn all of these different concepts, you definitely can. All of that is available to you. 
in this new age where we get to create our own spirituality and then define it according to how we want. I mean, that's, that's the thing right now that is really getting Mm -hmm. confronted on all levels is how we label ourselves in every area of life, you know, Um, whether it comes to sexuality or gender or class or race. Um, And so of course our spirituality would only reflect that if those are the themes at large, then our spirituality is really going to be dealing with that as well and how it develops. Um, Because again, whatever you are personally is just being reflected out into the world around you. And so understanding the history of occultism, you can really understand all of the nuances and any personal shames or discomfort that you might have with it. And that will give you an opportunity to heal. So you don't have to feel bad if you want to call yourself a witch. So you don't have to feel bad if you do tarot readings or if you're into astrology or the occult. Like, don't don't feel bad. I still have family members right now that are sitting at home praying for me because they fully and authentically believe that me, every single time I use my tarot cards, is opening up a demon portal. I've heard that one. <laughs> yeah. A literal demon portal. And that's okay. Like, that's what they believe. And that's great. And I think um, for a while, like, I personally felt a lot of shame with that, you know, like, oh, God, this is somebody who I love and who, like, I have respected for a better part of my life. And now they think that I'm doing not the worst thing, but one of the worst things that I could be doing in their eyes, you know, and so there's definitely a lot of shame and a lot of wounding and a lot of healing that comes along with that. But I think when you understand that that idea of using the term occult in an abusive way um, is just a part of its history and then you can learn how to separate that out you know that's that's a way to free yourself that's a way to start to find your own spirituality your own self-growth your own self-acceptance and to really start to heal a lot of those wounds around finding your own power because the entire purpose of using a cult as a negative term is one to rob people of their power, whether it's an entire society that you're trying to take over, whether it's a woman who's gaining too much power in her community and you have to get rid of, or whether it's just somebody who you don't understand. And so since they are an other, they threaten the tribe and the idea of tribal community. And so you have to get rid of them. Like either way, this is your time to, take back your own personal power to really, really find your own information, to find your own whatever is secret, whatever is hidden and not easily understood, the very definition of occultism and rebrand it and help transform yourself from it. Yes. uh, Hell yes. (laughs) I think moving forward, we have some plans for uh, talking about alchemy. And then I think we're on to astrology and tarot next. Maybe not quite in that order. Uh, yeah. Yes. We'll definitely be delving into alchemy soon, just breaking it down and how it relates to all of this and also astrology and tarot. Yeah. So we're we're getting your toes wet now, but we're about to really start like diving in in full force um, as we start to get all these base episodes down, sort of all of your introductions. Then we're going to really just dive in headlong into this a whole world of craziness, a whole world of growth and a whole world of like just not taking people's shit and just growing into your best version of yourself. Yes. Thank you everyone for tuning in. This was occultism from which is to woke consciousness and chill. We'll catch y'all next week. Bye. Bye. Our theme song was written 
produced and performed by Rafi SXYZ. No particular pronunciation per his instructions. His new EP is called Do Today Now, out on Spotify, SoundCloud, and everywhere. Thanks, Rafi.